All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind a Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne. It's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we have Ryan Markham, who is a father of two girls, has been an action sports athlete for 30 plus years and has coached freestyle skiing and mountain biking for over a decade. As an athlete, he not only practices with various breathwork and hot cold therapy techniques, but he also builds and sells beautiful saunas as the operator of Markham Works. And there's a ton in between all of that, which I will let Ryan fill us all in. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great connecting with you. Can't wait. I mean, there's so many, so many areas we can jump into just based on, I mean, just based on the work that you're doing right now. And of course, backstory, you know, skiing, um, you know, all the extreme sports, there's, there's a million different things. But before we get into the work and the titles and all of that stuff, I like to strip all of that away and just ask, you know, who are you? Who's the person, the awesome human recording with us today? Wow. You know, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, Mark, and I, I felt this question coming and I love the consistency. <laughs> so... So you know I won't let you off the hook then too. <laughs> yeah, definitely wasn't expecting you to let me off the hook and that's that's totally cool. So who am I? I am going to start with, I am a father of two beautiful girls. I am a partner to a beautiful woman by the name of Brooke Johnson. I'm a son of a mother who loves me very much um, and a brother to somebody who keeps me accountable. And I'm, I'm a coach. I am an ambassador for a couple of brands. And I am a happy human. There it is. That's what I was looking for, that happiness factor. How does that show up for you? Well, Mark, as you know, happiness is something we have to work hard at. Happy, happiness is not something that just shows up on our lap. Um, I mean, I, I definitely love a sunny day like it is today. Mm -hmm. And that brings forth happiness for, for me and, and my family. We love the sunshine and we like to get out to the beach in the summer and, and enjoy. Um, I love to move and that brings happiness in my life. If I'm struggling with a thought or, you know, working through the hard stuff, I always find that movement gets me out of my head, gets me into my body. And every single time I move after having that stickiness, um, I always come at the other end with a different perspective than I was in before. Sure. Well, let's, let's combine a couple things that you just said. Movement, outdoors, sun, fresh air, all of that, and kind of rewind back to the early days where... For everyone listening, you know, that may not be familiar of these, uh, of these locations or cities, uh, Ryan's from a, from, from a small, small city or town in Ontario, Canada, uh, by the name of Midland, not necessarily known for, uh, skiing and extreme <laughs> winter sports, but somehow, and this is, I'd love for you to just fill in the gaps and flavor to how you got to the point where you're traveling around the world skiing with X Games. Like, uh, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. 
Well, I was an active uh, chap growing up. And so I played a lot of sports, whether it be volleyball, basketball, track and fields. I rode my bike a whole bunch as a kid, still do. I think just having sports as my foundation was uh, really a, a leg up when I found that one sport that was my ticket to travel the world. Now, I look back to growing up as a kid and, you know, some of my goals and aspirations and I wanted to go to the Olympics and Olympics in my mind at that time was actually hockey. I played a lot of competitive hockey as well. And there was a point in my hockey career where I felt burnout. You know, I was, I went to a hockey camp in the summer and I played all winter and my parents gave me the choice. It was actually a choice based on finances with my parents. Um, I'm, I come from a mixed family and, you know, my parents worked multiple jobs. So both my brother and I could have a somewhat of a normal life. And I'm very thankful for that. But I had this choice to make, you know, it's back to you asking yourself this really important question of, is this making me happy, the hockey? And at, the, at that point, it was no, I wasn't happy. There was so much, so many politics that were happening with coaches and, you know, whether the coach knew our family. And so I had a bunch of friends that I skied with on the weekends at our local hill called Mountain View Ski Hill. And it's not very big. It might be 200 vertical feet. And that was my happy place. My parents, mm. um, they asked me if I wanted to join hockey the following season. And I said, no, I want to I buy a ski pass and go spend my time up at the ski hill because that's where my buddies were. And in those days, I was uh, also inline skating in the summertime uh, competitively. And so the skiing was like this uh, cross sport for me uh, mm. to, to help with my inline skating and competing. And I was cutting skis down to, you know, probably about 150 centimeters. And then I would make like a, a curve on the back so I could land backwards. Um, I was the guy that was going forwards and backwards down the hill and <laughs> you'd always catch me upside down. Uh, so I feel that like that was that pivot in my life where I had to make this choice between hockey and skiing for winter sport. And it opened up this, yeah, it opened a door where I just felt amazing. One, being outside versus being in a hockey arena. Yeah. Two, uh, you know, because we were forest bathing, we were like, you know, in the glades skiing and building our own jumps. And it was it was this freedom that I didn't know then, but I know today uh, that I needed. And I think that growing up as a kid who was in a mixed family, um, this was a place that was a safe place. And it, it inspired me to continue to uh, build skills. And yeah, like I can't, I can't thank, you know, uh, the group of friends that I had and families who also went to the ski hall on the weekends because, you know, those are part of the threads of who I am. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. all choked up talking about it. It's, yeah. uh, nobody's, uh, nobody's asked me kind of where that pivot happened and, you know, being a small town kid and finding a ticket that eventually was my ticket to see the world. 
Yeah. It's incredible. Well, thank you. I mean, and I've got definitely have some more questions on, on that topic, but one thing that comes to mind, I, I can't remember if it was an interview that I watched or listened to, or if I just read this in her book, but Lindsay Vaughn talks about when she grew up skiing, I can't remember the name of the mountain, but she wasn't on, you know, one of the big, you know, like Park City or in like Whistler or something, one of these massive hills. She was on a s- smaller local hill and she was like, I credit a lot of my skill building to that smaller hill because y- you could just put in more runs, you know, yes. like it takes half the time on the lift and you're totally. sure you're down faster, but like just the repetition that, and, and I even noticed that, you know, here, you know, we're, we're, we're both at now in Collingwood and Blue Mountain. Like if you go, you know, ski during the middle of the week when, you know, tourists aren't around, like you're on and off the lift so fast. It's, uh-huh. it's awesome. Uh-huh. So I'm curious, uh, Ryan, like, so there's, I know you're a pretty humble, modest guy, but not everyone can build the skill level to, to get to the point where, you know, you're, you're traveling around and competing in the X games. I mean, that's kind of the cream of the crop when it comes to that kind of, of skiing. Like, what do you think, what do you think was the unlock for you to train, you you know, first of all, I guess your mind and then obviously your, your technique and whatnot to get to that level? Like, what did it, what did it require at that age? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. The first thing that pops in my mind is having parents that didn't they didn't put me in a box. My parents told me to dream big. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that because they gave me that opportunity to dream, especially not having very much, I, you know, I took that and ran. And I just, you know, like back to the point of training, being at a small ski hill. I skied many, many laps. You know, I, that was my whole goal was to get more laps than my friends would get. And, uh, and getting that time on the hill and also, you know, it then then went on to like skate park and going to the skate park at night. So, you know, like you had talked about Kobe Bryant in one of your interviews there recently with Jeff and he he would get up at four o'clock in the morning to train and you know what? I, I did that too. I, I would go at night and hit the skate park and try to figure out a trick, whether it be on my bike or in my, or my inline skates. It didn't matter what the vehicle was. It really, what mattered was the transitions of a skate park or the transitions at the ski hill. Um, it's all the same. And mm. the unlock came from repetition by having no boundaries put on me. My parents wanted me to go to, you know, post-secondary and then go into college university, but they were not education focused. They were more focused on world experience, get your education and, you know, unlock those opportunities through a different path. And, you know, I'm so, so grateful for that. Yeah. Tell me about when we first met. I remember there's two things that that really stuck out uh, just on this topic was one, your use of trampolines to train. Oh, yeah. and, and then also when you, you finally got called or had kind of the ticket to the X Games and there was something that happened, like you couldn't register or something like that. It was just this crazy, <laughs> crazy yeah. story. When you, you finally get there <laughs> and like some sort of like logistical nightmare to yeah. actually get a bib. 
Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, thank you for bringing that up. That's something that uh, at the time was very traumatic, but I look back at that and the takeaway was was huge. It was a, it was a huge takeaway. So the trampoline, let's just touch on trampoline for a minute. So trampoline was also part of that training piece that, you know, I, I did some coaching in Midland and then went on to coach in Woodbridge and created an air awareness program for other athletes. This would have been after um, competing, but um, the trampoline was the the air awareness that I needed so that when I would go off a 50 foot jump that nine times out of 10, I'd land on my feet. You know, it, it was the, <laughs> yeah. it was that like little bit of insurance that I needed to know that I wasn't going to get hurt because, you know, when you're an athlete in, in that type of arena, you're essentially a stuntman with no insurance. So you yes. really need to be mindful of the risks that you are taking. So, you know, I, through trampoline, that helped me understand more about uh, how to save yourself when you don't get it right or if, you know, you catch an edge or all of those pieces that keep you in the game so that you don't get very, very hurt. So okay. uh, that that is why trampoline was such an integral piece to my journey. Then fast forward, I'm at college and um, I had been communicating with a company in California, a ski company in California that said, hey, Ryan, we've, we've seen your video. So I had to submit a video of me skiing. We love it. Uh, we would love to uh, hear how you do at the X trials. So go to the X trials in Vermont. And if you qualify, then we will fly you to California and we will pay for your trip out to Colorado uh, to compete. And then they had a, a list of a couple of products and what have you that they, they were offering part of that. So, um, so I went to the X trials with my friend, Darren Bryan, and he was, uh, he was my anchor through, through all of that. Okay. And uh, he and I went out to Vermont. Uh, I qualified uh, fourth. And so I was the alternate. So fast forward, you know, a month later, and we're in uh, Colorado for the uh, the X Games. And so exciting, man, like coming coming from a yeah, small like, town. Yeah, what does that feel like? Oh, man, it's so overwhelming with excitement. And there are other times in my life where, you know, I've experienced that, but you know, some of my heroes growing up as a kid, like Glenn Plake was, was there and Johnny Mosley had just finished mm -hmm. doing a run. And so that was all very exciting. And so what happened was we went to registration with my team. And so this was the ski team that I was on. It wasn't a con country based. It was more so who your sponsors were. So mm -hmm. we go, I go to go get registered and I was told, oh, sorry, uh, someone's got to get hurt before you can actually register. And I thought, well, that's, that doesn't make sense. Like what, like, how am I supposed to practice? How am I supposed to understand, you know, what, what, what am I up against here? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I went up to the top of the mountain without a bib and I went in as the trainer to support, <laughs> support my fellow teammates. And so one of my uh, teammates, Brenton, he looked at me, he's like, right, you're going to come down with me on this run, aren't you? I'm like, oh, you betcha I am. I said, we're, 
we're here, baby. We got to make, we got to take full advantage of this. So I, I, I went down the run and, you know, I hit all the jumps and I hit all the rails. So I got a feel for it and I come back. And so I'm at the top and I'm just kind of waiting my turn. And it, it's kind of a weird time or a weird position to be in because you're waiting for someone to get hurt. Yeah. And, it's you so know, bizarre. It is so bizarre. And, you know, I'd never, never want to put that on anybody. So I'm like, I hope nobody gets hurt, but I'm like, I hope I get my opportunity. So there yeah. you go. Someone falls, they get hurt. They're out of the competition. I'm at the top and the starter looks at me. And he's like, where's your bib? I said, well, registration told me that I can't register until someone gets hurt. He's like, buddy, get down to registration, go get registered, get a bib and get back up here and I'll run you last uh, so that you don't miss out. And I was like, okay. So I ski down, registration's closed. So my heart, my heart's broken at this point because I have no way of communicating to the starter at this point. I'm looking for people who are working, you know, at the event. So now I'm like, my head's between my, you know, yeah. <laughs> my tail's between my legs at this point. And I go up to the top and the event is just about to end. And I look at the guy and I said, can you just let me do my run? And we work all this stuff afterwards. He's like, nope, can't do it. I can't let you go. And I, I looked at him and I was just like, so I missed my opportunity. He's like, I'm sorry. And that's all he had to say. So, um... I made the trip out there and I got to witness my teammates, you know, be part of this. And I was too, you know, I, I made the best of it for, yeah. for just being at the X Games as an athlete and went to the after parties and, you know, rubbed shoulders with all these uh, heroes of mine as a kid. But, you know, I, I held my head high, Mark, and I, I knew that there was going to be more opportunities, that this was just the first that you know, that I was, uh, had the opportunity to, to compete at and, you know, things didn't work out because of the logistics. I never did write a letter to X Games to, to share my story. Uh, it was just something that I put away because, you know, I went on and had the opportunity to compete at the Japan X Games and, uh, the okay. New York X Games and went over to Austria for a world cup and, uh, Germany, there was an indoor event that I competed at there. So like all of that stuff, you know, was so much better than having to write X games. Like what, what are they going to do at that point? Anyways, you know, an yeah. apology or so. Hello friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. Yeah, but I mean, I, w I do want to ask you something because I mean, you know, you're young um, at at that at that time as well, and like we just, I think, just naturally as we go through different life experiences, we learn more and more about kind of emotional regulation. Let's just say, yeah. I mean, I would imagine the majority of the people would be, and I'm not saying that you weren't pissed, but probably really angry and like could have created a whole scene and kind of almost like rob yourself of of the experience that you then 
went on to have, like even that evening hanging out with some of your heroes and whatnot. What do you think? Is there anything from your training and whatnot, or just you as a person that allowed you to kind of shift Mm. perspective or not go down that track? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, you know, how I was brought up as a kid and being being grateful for the opportunities that that do come through, you know, our journey. But it was also my team. You know, a big part of that was my team that, you know, they lifted me up and they were just like, man, we're here. And like, there's there's so much more ahead because it was the beginning uh, of something really like brand new. So it was my team, my my upbringing, and and really just you know, I'm a positive positive person, and again, that's that's a lot to do with the home that I grew up in, and yeah. understanding that you know these these opportunities come to those who are ready for them and are are seeking them. So I yeah. feel that I was in a good space. I you know I. I had traveled out, out to the X games and, you know, was, was part of this experience and yeah, I was bummed and, you know, I was, I was pissed, but I think had I been on my own, like traveled out there solo, that that experience would have been very different But because I went out with a group that were already pumped. And, you know, I think one of my teammates might have podium that, you know, at that event too. So, okay. you know, we were all kind of riding this wave of awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, I'll pivot, maybe it's not a pivot, but I, I definitely do want to transition to just, you know, what you're doing now in the sense of sauna and mm. sauna therapy or practices, rituals, cold, of course. Like there's, again, like there's so many threads. You're also one of those guys that... uh I often see on social media that's out in the bay over here during the winter surfing, uh, <laughs> which some people would call crazy, but you know, I'm not surprised knowing, <laughs> knowing you, but I'm, I guess my question is when did like, was sauna and that kind of recovery, uh, practice or those kind of rituals, were those, were those something that you had in play when you were, you know, training for X Games and whatnot, that, or did that come a little bit later? Yeah, I would say that I had the opportunity to use uh, sauna at the Y as a kid growing up in Midland. So through my training, what have you, I learned that that was a great, a great place to go to um, help with recovery. Yeah. And hot tubs were also something that I had available to me to help with recovery. But I, I would say that, you know, where the sauna and colds and heat therapy, you know, really showed up in my life was, you know, through my 30s and, you know, my late 30s where I saw that there was an opportunity to offer this through my business. Um, but it was also something that I wanted to have at my home. And I didn't have a sauna at my home, you know. 10 years ago, uh, I, that was something that happened through COVID and, um, I had been selling the saunas prior to that, but it was through COVID that I made it a non-negotiable that I had a sauna at the house so that, uh, you know, I could really make sure that my mental game was on point. I also had a loss, uh, that was near and dear to me. I lost my father. 
Mm. <laughs> Sorry about this that. at the yeah. beginning of the pandemic. So um, again, this this was like a really huge piece for me in showing up as a father, showing caring for my mother who's uh, seventy six and needs my assistant at t- assisting at times. Uh, that the sauna was, um, you know, a tool that I really leaned on, and my my partner Brooke, we both leaned on to be present and be able to show up for are those who are around us it's i i'm definitely gonna i definitely want to dig deeper into just you know some of the practices that you might have in the sauna but first just you know i don't know if i shared this when we first met but for me when um when my life was essentially exploding or self-imploding when when i was running the mental fitness app keo the only thing that and I couldn't even afford it at the time. We were still living in Toronto. But the only thing I hung on to was my membership at the Y. And it was because they had a steam room yeah. in the in the locker room or in the change room. And, you know, the, obviously, you know, there was a physical workout and whatnot. But it was that it was that steam at the end that it was like just those minutes of psyching myself up or trying to release all the narratives that were running through my mind that were all fear-based with, you know, just so much uncertainty in terms of like what, what the next steps were for my own life and family and whatnot. At that time, it was like just that little, little break or reprieve to like reset and come out of there feeling, okay, I can do this, like some sense of hope and whatnot, um, and motivation. I'm curious. And, and, and to this day, like it's a staple in, in, in my own rituals and practices how do you use you know the some whether it's sauna or even you know i know you do a lot of you do different cold immersion therapy as well i mean just uh-huh. surfing in the bay is 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 one uh definitely in the winter uh-huh. but yeah just why don't we go a little bit deeper um in terms of what you're doing and i guess what's possible for people that are listening that have been curious because it seems to be from our google friends uh sauna the search term is uh, up a hundred percent over the last three years so pe- pe- people are clearly interested yeah how do i unpack this so how do i do? use yeah so what do i do so i <clears throat> i feel that the the use of sauna in my life at the moment is is at its peak and we use sauna between four and six times a week. Uh, we're not using it every single day. There are days we miss, but we've, when I say we, this is Brooke, my, my partner and I, we have felt that by doing this, it's resilience training uh, of cold immersion, but getting in the sauna and, and sitting, disconnecting from our devices and from our day-to-day mundane routines, if, if you will, that it has really helped us, one, be present with our kids, mm-hmm. uh, not get on the roller coaster of uh, emotions. That's one really, really um, great tool that I've found. And I now have a teenager who has just turned, th- she just turned 13. And so it's really helped me in staying calm in heated moments. But, yeah. you know, so like I, I finding that like the use of sauna is something that I've been doing a lot of. The surfing is cold immersion as well in the winter months and in the spring months, fall, I guess. The only time that we're 
not actually in our wetsuits is in the summertime. And that, that as well, it, it helps me. Yeah. Like just find this space where I'm not thinking about the bills that I, that are coming in. I'm not thinking about, you know, big decisions. I am the most present when I'm either in the sauna, I'm in my cold plunge or I'm in the base surfing and you know, it's something, it's magical. That's the only thing yeah. I can really say about it. It's something that, you know, we were talking about happiness at the beginning and that is my happy place is when I'm, I'm out of my head and more into in tuned with this vessel yeah. and really knowing what it is that my body needs in order for me to be in a good headspace and, uh, feeling you know, physically strong. Uh, my my girlfriend Brooke and I have changed our own narrative of, you know, it's funny a conversation we had last night of, are not in our twenties anymore, and this image of, you know, being shredded and, you know, being at that optimal look. Like mm -hmm. we talked about the look, and we're like, well, I'm 45 now, and I feel great in this vessel. I feel like stronger than I ever have, and but yeah, I'm a, I'm also, you know, I also have a little bit of a belly, you know, not, but, and, and that's okay. But, yeah. um, you know, that's something that we continue need, continually need to work through of like, why, why are we so focused on these things? And that's just, you know, that's society in, in general, but back, back to your question of like, you know, what are these things that I'm doing in my daily routine that supports, supports my you know, being a father, being a son who can support my mother, uh, showing up for my customers and my business and being my authentic self uh, are all, you know, related to my routine. You know, mm -hmm. I have a routine that has taken a long time to figure out, you know, how I operate at my best. Yeah. And that that is through resilience training and you know, the mental work that it takes. I also do meditation. I do yoga to support my flexibility and my surfing and all the sports that I do. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a Swiss army knife of tools, sure. if you will, to support being my authentic self and doing my best to be present for those around me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as you acquire, the nice thing is as you acquire these tools and you're open and curious to explore different modalities and mediums and whatnot, then it, then it becomes, you know, it's what you need in the moment, right? Like mm -hmm. you have, you have the toolkit to pull from that. Like, okay, sounds like sauna for you is obviously a, a pretty big staple for me that, that typically shows up as journaling. And that's kind of my go-to mm -hmm. practice that, you know, is done daily and oftentimes multiple times per day. But uh -huh. there's there's this sense of, I think, confidence that that comes with knowing that, you know, life's going to throw us some shit along the way, and it's like an yeah. inevitable. But if if you know, like, okay, well, this is where I can I can rely on the sauna. I know I can clear out my head here and reset, uh -huh. or I can rely on journaling or yoga or meditation uh -huh. or the you know the ocean or the Great Lakes to kind of quickly put us give us a perspective check of like who's who's the boss right when you're trying yes. to hit you know catch a wave 
uh, and this comes up all the time. I've interviewed a, a big wave surfer uh, in the past, and this that one, it's like you are not in control. Like you're, yeah. and it's such a beautiful analogy to life. Like you can either try to resist the wave, which is not going to work, right? Or you can flow with it, and yes. you know, just be kind of your, what you mentioned, just really present. Yes. Um. So just. I guess one other question about the sauna, and just since it sounds like Brooke is is, is also a part of of your well being routines and whatnot, and very much. Uh, so I'd love to know just for you as a couple, you know, when you're when you're in the sauna, like what does that what does that look like for you guys? Is that a time to are you are you for the most part quiet, or is it a time to reflect and mm-hmm. and you know just kind of check in with e- with, e- mm-hmm. with each other or something else? Yeah, I would say that it's it's different for for every sauna session. There are times where, you know, if we've had a big week and we're having a sauna on the weekend, um, you know, it could be just you know laying down in the sauna and feeling the heat uh, to help us recharge. Um, you know, we also use the sauna for having you know uh, discussions about big decisions, whether it be for our properties, uh, or planning a trip or yeah, like the sauna for Brooke and I is a, it's our sanctuary and Mm. we, we very, we treasure having a space where we can go and just be in a different space that again, it's that disconnecting from our technology that I, and lighting a fire and sitting in front in front of a, a beautiful fire. Um, it, it both, it helps both of us just kind of just wash off any of that heaviness that we might've ha- been carrying. Yeah. And I feel that the sauna has helped bring us closer together in knowing that, you know, we're working through all this stuff together and Brooke, is, Brooke and I started dating at the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, so fortunate that my kids have adopted Brooke as stepmom or the bonus mom is what we like to call her and um and katie who uh who i married and we we started this family with um her and brooke have this beautiful relationship as well where they both um appreciate how they show up uh for the girls and for each other like they are a support network between the two of them and so i think that you know a lot of this time that we've spent together in the sauna surfing mountain biking skiing traveling uh we we have helped each other fill each other's buckets you know we Mm -hmm. like to use that analogy in our house that if our bucket is empty how are you going to fill your own bucket versus relying on others filling your bucket because we are the ones that have to take that control and we're we're all wired differently in what our needs are uh, yeah. For us in our home, it could be a hug, you know, or touch, just sitting and holding hands. Uh, so we um, we were very fortunate that you know we found each other and that our our kids, you know, are are being lifted up from uh, both houses and mm-hmm. are are they are our focus. There's no drama in this family, and I challenge our listeners, any of our listeners that are going through tough times and you know there may be a separation put your kids first you know they deserve that yeah and put your ego aside it takes it takes a lot of strength 
to put your kids first and lift up your ex because they will return it if they feel that it's authentic. Yeah. Well said. Beautifully said. I mean, what comes to mind just in, in listening to you speak and, and the through line of the conversation is just a lot of these practices and what you're prioritizing is just really boosting your presence uh, with yourself uh, first and foremost, but then of course with your partner and your kids and and whatnot. And like that's where the where the magic lies or where the beauty you know surfaces because then you can start you start to see you know like okay I'm off I'm off track or I can kind of course correct here or there and. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and, and this wasn't planned, obviously, as you just mentioned before we hit record, but you you mentioned something to the effect that you now have uh, you're now focusing on being you know big instead of small. Yeah, and I'm you know I can only project that you know some of that has probably come up through through this heightened presence and this time uh-huh. and reflection and these practices, but yeah, like for you, like how what does showing up big look and feel like? For Ryan, yeah, that's that's a great question as well, Mark. Uh, I would say that we all deal with our internal thoughts, whether we have the ability to take on what's ahead of us. And I have a coach that I work with. Her name is Abby uh, Hodgson, who's out in Vancouver. So we have these monthly meetings, and she challenges me to rock to my toes. So at time in life, life will rock us to our heels. And, you know, it's up to us to figure out, you know, what it is that we need in order to rock to our toes. So part of being big is rocking to our toes and seeking opportunities that may not, you know, come to us organically. Meaning, you know, for example, I had a friend chatting that I was chatting with about podcasts and, you know, that I was going to be coming on with you, Mark. And he said, you know, why, why don't you put it out there to, to connect with someone like Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan loves, loves sauna and he loves cold immersion. Like what if you could figure out a way to roll a sauna up to one of his shows and, you know, have a, have a sit with Joe and, and have a chat and, you know, like this is part of the the being big. And yeah. I'd say that when I'm acting small, that, you know, I might think, uh, Joe wouldn't want to do that. Like, why would he want to, why would he want to connect? Well, so, like, so Joe, if you're listening right now, I mean, Ryan, we're, we're I'm going to join him with this. We're going to roll up at your place in a, yeah. in a sauna. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mark, you and I, let's, let's team up and, and go see Joe. But yeah, I like the, I think that it, it's easy to, to act small when life is tough and you know i i feel that the way that i'm living my life today you know it's very related to the surfing that we were discussing earlier that there are times we're at the bottom of the wave and the wave could be coming and collapsing right up on top of us there are times that we're you know we're right in the pocket and you know we find that flow in life and we need to really cherish those moments and ride it as far as we can. But mm-hmm. but again, it, it is something that by being big, we have to do the work. We need to, you know, to turn in and understand like some of the questions that we have of like, you know, am I drinking too much? Am I, 
spending too much time with, you know, my friends versus my family. You know, these yeah. are the questions that I've had to ask myself in going through a separation and, you know, the, being in a survival type of mode because I don't have a partner to rely on. I'm playing the mother and the father in the house. And, um, you know, I wasn't acting big in the transition uh, of my separation, but I think that by hiring, I hired a life coach and business mm-hmm. coach and she has held my feet to the fire. She's kept me accountable. That's what I, uh, I asked her to help me with was, can you help me be accountable? I've got lots of ideas. Um, I'm a positive person. I do a lot of good. I love sharing, you know, what I've learned and what I've experienced in my life. How, how can I move forward from this point and still meet those, like find those pieces that I dream about and, and, and think about, uh, and you know, her, her big thing was if I hold your feet to the fire, you need to lean in and I want you to find out how to be bigger than you have been because I see your potential. But what I, what I'm seeing today is that there's those insecurities and that's natural. You know, when you go through any type of depression in our life, in your life, uh, you know, we, we tend to kind of, we won't put ourselves out there. And I feel that that's, that's what today is, 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 is building that momentum of putting myself out there, building a sauna culture or this whole Nordic spa culture is something that's a mission of mine and also Collingwood being a place where my family is I would love to bring a pump track to this town I had the opportunity to travel out west and compete in the Red Bull pump track world championships a couple years ago and so this is a passion of mine that you know that's a big idea and a big project but part of being big is Use my, use my network, use my resources. This isn't something that I have to finance out of my own pocket either. Yeah. There's, there's lots out there that, you know, so it's, it's getting outside of, of just knowing that it's only me and that I have this great network of people that are in the wings that support my ideas. And, um, yeah, I know that was a long winded question, but I hope that that helps answer what you're looking for. Yeah, no, that was great. I mean, I think for me, what I hear, like there's a couple of questions that come out of that. Obviously, I'm obviously always biased with the prompts, but it's like I, my language is when people speak, I hear questions that are, are emerging. And for me, what, what surfaced there was, you know, what if, you know, or imagine mm-hmm. if, like if yes. I brought this, you know, pump track or if I, you know, put out, put out this intention to, uh-huh. you know, roll up to, you know, Joe's driveway with a, with a sauna, like, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty unique experience. And <laughs> the second question that, that comes up for me is then, like, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, totally. You know what? He, he, he might kick you out of his driveway. But I mean, uh, make for an interesting story, that's for sure. And Or, uh, you know, they might just say no for the, for the pump track. But I'm sure there's a lot of learning and, and uh-huh. understanding and, and other opportunities that, you know, will come out of it just by going for it. So... Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. It's uh, that's definitely something. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pop that question in my own journaling practice, and you know, like how, where, and how can I show up bigger, you know, yes, for myself first, and and ideally 
uh, usually if you if you put yourself first in a healthy way, you know uh-huh. that there's the impact or the ripple effect. Uh, yes, usually is 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 exponential. I have a question for for you, Mark. Do you yeah. use vision boards all the time? You do. Okay. Yeah. So so this yeah. is something that again I I practice this with Brooke in creating vision boards for you know our next chapter of life, and I can't say enough about vision boards and how important it's been for my life and having things come to fruition like this whole podcast journey that's on my vision board to someday have a show but what i'm learning is that that importance of myself having a show versus you know joining someone like yourself on your show i i'm living it right now you know this is this is part of the dream and and being big and um uh What's Mr. Dyer's name? He's a I'm trying to think of. Uh, you, you've mentioned his name before. Dyer, the uh, Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. Yeah, Wayne Dyer. So Wayne Dyer has this "I am" list that he shared. Yeah, and I've been using this practice quite often lately, and it's it's just it's positive affirmations about ourselves and manifesting what it is we want in life and you know, attraction. So mm-hmm. similar to what the secret would be, but more, uh, yeah. more in depth. And I feel that like anybody who's, you know, in a place where they're unsure about, you know, something that a decision they've made, or I think it's really important that we have these, um, affirmations to, you know, when we're up leveling in our own, uh, journeys that, you know, it's all self-work. And so the I am list, so it's I am strong, I am loved. And all of those pieces that have to do with ourselves, um, you know, it's amazing what comes from that. I I feel that it's so powerful. Well, and it's like the thing, the thing I realized too, is that if you're not doing these things, then the default state, as soon as you and I walk out of these podcast booths, is not, a, unfortunately, is not typically a positive environment, you know, yeah. like with, whether it's the news or what we're seeing or even navigating our own mental thoughts that often are, you know, doom and gloom kind of worst case scenarios that are, are looping through our minds at, uh-huh. you know, various speeds and whatnot. So like even the vision boards, they've been, I've, I've had experiences like what you're what, what you're describing but even today i mean my morning workout was a spin class on on um on a bike at home and i'm following the class on my ipad but i always have we have a we have a tv downstairs and i have my vision board just there in the background it's up yes. or you know if i'm working on my computer like and i've got my main monitor my laptop as a secondary typically i'll have a version of a vision board there so it's not for me at least, it's just those subtle and and those subtle reminders that are always there that's kind of programming my mind. Yes. And it's not the materialistic things necessarily. And it doesn't matter, whatever works for you. It's more the feeling of yes. oh, yeah, I want to be, that's what I'm striving. You know, uh, that's the this is what I'm where I'm striving to go. And I've noticed, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. This is happening live as we speak. I remember when we were launching the app, my my I had uh, covers of, of Fast Company magazine on 
on my vision board. And I remember, you know, all I wanted was, I'm like, I'd love to tell the story of this mental fitness app and this journaling app in a feature and fast company. It was just like, this Earth. is the magazine that I, that, that has inspired me uh, for, for years. And it's just something, you know, for whatever reason it would like, I, I want that experience. Right. And it never happened with the app, but as we're speaking, you know, the last month or so I'm, I'm in this, this email correspondence literally was happening today, going back and forth about firing up potentially multiple shows with Fast Company on the topic of mental fitness and what? so forth. So it's like, <laughs> and that's just, it may not happen, but I, I thought about it today thinking, remember those years where, you know, that cover photo or that cover, yeah, the cover photo of that magazine was sat there. And again, it would have been, maybe it wasn't on the spin bike, but it was something else. And maybe it was on the wallpaper of my phone, but just implanting and planting yes. positive thoughts and what's possible and like thinking big, like you, like what you say, or showing up big. And here it is. I mean, I don't know where it's going to go, but there's the team over there <laughs> that's looking at these concepts. So we'll see. That is I'll not take a, all the vibes. That is not a fluke, my friend. As you know, yeah. no, it's what we put out there. Yes, totally, totally. It, it does make it make its way back to us, and it may not happen right away. But yeah. if we if we can get in tune with this universe, oh boy, it is so powerful. Look yeah, look look out for what you ask for. I guess that's right. Is the is the, uh, the positive warning. That's right. Well, Ryan, brother, I know we're way over time and I'm sure there's probably people hovering around where you're booked in the booth to get in there. So I don't want to uh, get you kicked out of there. Uh, thank you for your time, for sharing your story, uh, that beautiful mind of yours, the practices and, and so forth. Uh, I know this is the, the first of many conversations and for, for the listeners, stay tuned. We're, we're, we're working on some interesting mental fitness and sauna therapy collaborations and coming together. So hopefully we'll have more to share down the road. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. This was a, this was a great chat. You, you brought me to tears a few times there by diving <laughs> into the archives, but uh, yeah, really, really excited to, to see what comes of this. And I really look forward to some of these future projects that, uh, that we've got on the double top secret at the moment. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. <laughs>